Hey there, Laura here. The team at Hope Made Strong have been busy creating a downloadable resource called Mental Health Sunday. So that means we have been jumping back to share a few of the most viewed sessions from the Church Mental Health Summit. I am so excited about this Mental Health Sunday resource. It includes everything your church would need to host an invitational Sunday experience on mental health and faith. Hope Made Strong, along with mission-minded partners, created digital resources that include research notes, sermon ideas, video, social, and marketing assets, and a seven-day devotional. Plus, there are community invitations, congregate giveaways, and editable digital files. If you're interested in downloading this free resource, go to mentalhealthsunday.com. I believe in the scripture. I believe the scripture is primary. I believe that what we discover in terms of psychology is merely reflecting how God created human being, the mind, the emotions that he has given us. And psychology is simply putting numbers and science to what God has created. I believe there is a place for mental health counseling. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. On the show today is a flashback to one of the top viewed sessions in our 2020 Church Mental Health Summit with Executive Pastor Colin Nanton. In my experience of talking with leaders who are interested in developing a care ministry, but maybe not quite ready, they're usually nervous about three different things. It could be one or it could be many of these. Number one, they don't know how mental health aligns with their faith and they don't know how to reconcile if it's a medical issue or a demonic issue or maybe a human experience from life's challenges. Number two, they don't want to open a can of worms that they can't sustain. Leaders are well aware that their people are struggling but they feel that they don't have the capacity to provide ongoing support or know how to offer care without becoming overwhelmed with needs. Or number three, pastors feel ill-equipped to oversee and offer support. It's pretty common to only have had one course in counseling and care in seminary. Pastors are passionate about building the kingdom, but they have little experience in supporting people through mental health challenges. Therefore, they stick to what they know best. And really, can you blame them? I really don't like doing things that I'm not confident in either. When I have discovery calls with leaders who are interested in my consulting work, at least one, if not all three of these concerns come up. And for those who are curious, here are my most common responses. Number one, for the mental health uh, alignment. Mental health can be a result of all three things. It could be a result of demonic um, activity, medical issue, or human experience to life challenges. So how do you tell them apart is the next question that usually comes. Well, we're all human. We're all created with a soul, a body, and a spirit. And we know from from research that we develop our self-image and worldview as a young child. So if we experience challenges, trauma, or suffering in any of these areas, in our body, in our mind, in our spirit, in developing our self-image or worldview, 
it is to be expected that there's going to be a negative ripple effect in our life. And mental health is among those things impacted. And while I believe that demonic activity is not just, doesn't just happen in biblical times, I also understand that demons cannot be minimized or silenced by medications. And this is often what we see when um, people start medications. Medication is actually really necessary and it's a reality for illnesses of all types and mental illness is no exception. Uh, So for question number two about being nervous or overwhelmed by needs, I encourage you to listen to episode 18 on the podcast and I'm going to link that in the show notes. And it's there that you're going to hear about how caring for people goes beyond just one-to-one meetings and casseroles. I feel the church's capacity to care matches the size of the church that you have. And so care ministry is more about being intentional and having a strategy. And number three, the third question can be a bit trickier to answer. Uh, Some people come into ministry because they want to help, but oftentimes they're overwhelmed with the complexity of needs once they arrive. It can be hard to admit that you're over your head, so it's just easier to focus on your strengths. But pastors and leaders, ready or not, people are going to be coming to look for you at your church for support by building a process of care, developing a team, and investing time into partnerships partners, you can care for your people well without burning out. I picked Colin's talk from the 2020 summit to replay because it also addresses this third question. He identifies that pastoral care is specialized and offers support and guidance based on scripture. He also challenges leaders to be honest about their limitations and build a network of mental health professionals around them to assist in providing specialized care. In Colin's talk, he identifies a handout. Uh, This is a chart that I include in my downloadable guide, Three Steps to Building a Sustainable Care Ministry. And in the guide, you're given a template that will help guide your search in finding services and supports in your area that will assist you in caring for mental health and those in your church. And you can find the link to download this guide for free in the show notes. Colin's approach to this topic is really unique. He began his career as a police officer, so working on the front lines and caring for the community. He left to pursue a successful career as a consultant, where he trained and coached executive leaders, and now currently is an executive pastor while in his doctoral studies specializing pastoral care. So his approach is really cool. I'm excited to share it with you. Here's Colin. Welcome to the Church Mental Health Summit. It's my responsibility today to share with you some thoughts regarding pastoral care and counseling and mental health counseling. I know initially when we talked about the topic, I think the idea was to talk about pastoral care and counseling versus mental health counseling. From my perspective, the two can work together. It's not that they're competing with one another or against one another. I think they can be compatible. And I also realize that there may be others that may have a different approach and not agree with my thoughts. And that's okay too. However, I'd like to start our time together today with a word of prayer. So will you please join me in an attitude of prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you and thank you for this time. I thank you for this summit and this opportunity to engage in both your word as well as ways that we can help others in our society today. Lord, I ask that you bless our time Help us by your Holy Spirit hear what you would have us hear. I ask that you bless me and what I have to say, that my speech, my opportunity to speak would glorify you. 
and that, Father, we would leave this session having learned from you ways in which we can better serve those in our society. We're grateful and we thank you in advance, Father, for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'd like to start with a portion of scripture that could help us um, potentially gain some perspective on what it means uh, spiritually, what it means biblically for us to be a human being. So if you would, uh, turn with me in your Bibles if you like, or you may listen to me speak these words from the Scripture. I'm looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And in this passage of Scripture, as Paul is closing uh, this particular um, book of the Bible, this letter that he wrote to the Thessalonians, this first letter, in his final instructions, he says in verse 23, he writes, May God himself the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you into faithful, and he will do it. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So here's the, I guess, point of reading that passage of Scripture it's clear that we are spiritual beings. God is spirit, and God created us in his image as spirit beings. However, we do live in a body, we inhabit a body, and we have a soul. And some would say that our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions. So it's from this perspective, this idea of a three-part being that man is, some would refer to that as trichotomy, that as a three-part being, how do we care for people? And I'm going to assert that care for a person as a whole would need to focus on all three parts. So if we were to go then to 1 Corinthians and take a look at what Paul says to us there um, in chapter 13, in verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, he says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And then finally, verse 13, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Purpose for sharing that verse with you is I believe that as pastoral caregivers, um, some may even say spiritual caregivers, in our role with others, we would be encouragers, supporters of faith, hope, and love. To remind people, and in some cases perhaps to identify to people for the first time, that we have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the creator, the one who created the world, the heavens and the earth. 
and everything in it, including us as human beings, to share that faith is significant. Secondly, that we have a hope. We have an eternal hope. And some are concerned. Some have anxiety over, over death, over dying, death of a spouse, death of a loved one, death of uh, parents, family members. Um, in my work as a police chaplain, as well as serving as a pastor, I notice people are concerned about what happens to others following their death. And sometimes people have anxiety over these issues. So to share that there's a hope, a hope eternal, that there's everlasting life available to us, I think is significant. There are authors, people like Jürgen Moltmann, uh, who wrote about a theology of hope. And we can learn what that theology is and share it with others. And then more recently, people like Andrew Lester have taken that idea of theology of hope to another level, added more thinking and more consideration to the idea of a theology of hope. And I think in pastoral care, for me, more than anything else, we're bringing hope to a potentially hopeless situation. And then finally, our way of being in that pastoral care conversation, our way of supporting, our way of participating and gaining entrance into that relationship with those we care for is in a loving way. And you heard the scripture exhort us, I think maybe the best word, that love is kind, love is patient, it isn't angry, it trusts. And so we're being loving and showing our love in that way by being kind and patient and considerate and compassionate with others as we engage in this conversation with them. So pastoral care, there are different models that people could embrace. There are biblical models where it's the Bible only and we rely primarily or in some cases exclusively on the scripture for our counseling. There are others that are willing to conflate or combine the scripture being primary with what we've learned from the science of psychology. And I know for some, that's not your idea of what's best or what's appropriate or what's acceptable. And I am a God-fearing man, pastor, and I believe that the scripture is primary. And I also believe that there are times when the field, the study of psychology may be of health, uh, help to us, and that mental health counseling at times could be supportive in our work in pastoral care. And I'll share some examples with you. However, when I think about my experience as a police chaplain, as a law enforcement chaplain, I think about issues that I would have encountered, issues of addiction, possibly uh, drug addiction, or typically in the sense of uh, taking sleeping pills, but also alcohol addiction. There are sexual addiction uh, issues, porn porn uh, pornographic or pornography issues that officers may engage in, in order to deal with what they encounter on the job. There are post-traumatic stress disorder issues that are real and possible for officers. And then finally, with all of those things happening, those that are married often experience 
marital, marital discord or mar marital challenges. There are programs available through mental health professionals that would help with all of these areas. And so initially, I may be blessed with the opportunity to serve others who are experiencing these challenges in their lives. And at times, it seems appropriate to me that programs related to residential drug rehabilitation or alcohol rehabilitation programs have served well in helping um, those who really want and committed and are committed to stopping that addictive behavior. And it has supported them well, and they continue to live today without the addiction or without the dependence on alcohol or drugs. I also believe that those that suffer with PTSD can be served well by the mental health community. I believe in the scripture. I believe the scripture is primary. I believe that what we discover in terms of psychology is merely reflecting how God created human being, the mind, the emotions that he has given us. And psychology is simply putting numbers and science to what God has created. I believe there is a place for mental health counseling for those of us that love people and choose to support them with God and with the Holy Scripture. So what I would suggest then, in terms of something that you may want to take away from our time together, is the importance of building a referral resource. And I know uh, that you'll be have access online to a sample, a table that you could fill in. This is created by Homemade Strong. It's titled Local Services and Organizations. And in that table, there's an opportunity to look for food programs in your area that others may need, housing programs, medical support, mental health, addiction-related services, uh, domestic violence shelters, uh, Children's services, whether it's counseling programs or behavioral programs for children, uh, seniors programs for those potentially experiencing elder abuse or having healthcare problems like Alzheimer's, which they may need help with. There's spiritual care, pastoral care, uh, chaplaincy programs available to the elderly, to those in hospital or for those in hospital and hospice care. There's financial care that may be needed or people that are newcomers to the country that don't have English, in our case, in North America, certainly in Canada and the United States, as our first language. Um, there's employment opportunities and organizations that could help with that. Uh, in addition, there are grief counseling or trauma counseling uh, organizations available to help those that are experiencing loss, loss of home, loss of employment, loss of things that uh, spouses, loved ones, uh, family members, following sometimes disasters. Um, I work here in Florida at a church, and so hurricanes, Hurricane Sally has recently uh, gone by and caused some devastation in the Florida Panhandle and other states nearby like Alabama. So. Government services may also be available. But one thing I'd like to focus on for our purposes today is mental health and resources that are available in that area. 
First, I'd like to state that the psychiatrist is a medical doctor, someone that has access to medical diagnosis, who can prescribe drugs when necessary. In my opinion, there are times when, for mental health reasons, for pastoral care reasons, medication may be helpful. And so it's our psychiatrist, the medical doctor, that expert in the study of the mind that can help with those cases. We also have psychologists. It's like a hierarchy in a way. The psychologist is a doctor, but they're a PhD doctor that may have uh, specialized in some form of counseling, sometimes marital counseling, addiction counseling, but the psychologist is available. There are also those that are psychoanalyst or psychotherapist. Typically, they would have a master's degree and would have specialized in some area of counseling and therapy. And then finally, there's the social worker. And they too typically have a master's degree, an MSW, a master's in social work. And again, they may have areas of specialization. They may focus on physical needs. They may focus on uh, mental or emotional needs that somebody may have. So we've got at least four professionals in the mental health organization or profession that could help with our pastoral care and counseling. And so I would advise that you take the opportunity to build a list, a referral list of resources in this area. And then I would like to suggest that building the list one time doesn't really serve you in the long run. When I came to work full time at this church here in Florida, I asked about our referral list. And I was told that one had been recently created, some two and a half, three years before I arrived. I asked our pastoral care pastor to review the list, to check to make sure it was current. And we found that approximately one third in just two and a half years, only one third of our list was still currently active in our area. So I would encourage you not only to build the list, but to review the list at least annually, once a year, take the time to make sure that your list is current. And if it's not, you may go and find others in your community providing the services that you're interested in referring people to. So in conclusion, I'd like to say that each one of us in our pastoral caring and counseling, we have limits based on our own skills, our own abilities, our own level of expertise, our own experiences. I would like to suggest that you know and be honest with yourself about what those limits are. Perhaps you can refer others to other pastors that may have greater skill or more specialized skill in the area of pastoral care and counseling. And further, I'd like to suggest that the mental health community can help us, can serve us as we serve those in our churches, in our congregations, in our communities, in our fellowship, in our society. I thank you for your time and I pray that God blesses you and that this information that we've shared together today will serve you in some significant way. Thank you for your time. God bless you.
Hey, thanks for listening. I encourage you to put what you've heard into action. How are you going to be intentional about building a culture of care for both yourself and for others in your church? If what you've heard today was helpful, I would love it if you could write a review. This would help others find the podcast more easily. And if you want to be notified when new episodes go live, make sure you follow. All right, take care.